Why, hello, and welcome to Season 27, Episode 18 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. And we're still on Saturday mornings. We are. Probably through the end of the year. It's easier for me. It's not during bedtime, so I'm very excited to to be back. Probably through the end of the year, I'm guessing. Yeah. We'll probably go back to Fridays. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. In this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, Dave in D.C. writes in about con game, a con game with a cursed newspaper. Sounds familiar. Uh, Simon in London writes in about multi-clan L5R games, and Ian from the UK, it's a big day for the UK, mm-hmm. uh, writes in about uh, a multi-system game. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. By the way, very few emails right now, this, this time of year that always happens. But if you'd like to email us about anything RPG-related, happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Uh, we have social meteors, Happy Jacks RPG, all one word, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and MeWe. And if you'd like to watch us live, we're at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, happyjacks.org slash live on Saturdays. That's 11 a.m. Pacific Time, probably through the end of the year. Yeah. And that's that. Maybe we're getting so much stuff from the UK right now because we switched times. Maybe. That could be. I hadn't yeah. thought of that. Mm. That could be. That's why we all, we switch it around sometimes. For our convenience and for switching up so more people can participate on our end, but also because there's different time zones that can listen live now. Yep. It's exciting. Uh, con game with cursed newspaper from Dave in D.C. Dear Stu oh. and the crew, Mr. Stu's, you continue with the great gaming content, and that's what I appreciate about you. Oh, is that what you that appreciate what you about, about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dave from D.C. That's a Letterkenny reference, by the yes. way, to anyone who has not seen Letterkenny on Hulu. And the new season comes out in a couple weeks. It comes mm. out the day, I think, the day after Christmas. Nice. Season nine. Um, Dave from DC writing in again. I figured I would give you the tale of the last of my Agents of Shield convention games, which I ran back in 2019 when we still had in-person conventions. The setup this time, the PCs were a team of agents whose assignment was to spend two weeks at a time two weeks at a time locked in an underground base which was quote unquote time shielded uh, in much the same way that ICBM crews are stationed in underground command centers awaiting launch orders. The PC's task was to remain in the base and if something happened to change the timeline, they could investigate where the change was made and hopefully correct things back. Of course, it wouldn't be much of a game if there wasn't a change for them to investigate and fix. <laughs> you just leave them in the basement, like that's <laughs> the game. Two weeks. <laughs> and turn it into a, a game of uh, uh, ten candles. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> they get eaten by grues. Yeah, or um, some, like, uh, some like social game <laughs> where they just have to survive and not hurt each, like kill each other by being stuck in the basement together. For Dread. What, they have played Dread, and if it collapses, one of them snaps and tries to kill somebody because they're... Yeah, just... there we go. <laughs> I ran the scenario twice using Savage Worlds and took much of the advice and tips from Seasons of Happy Jacks to heart. 
The character sheets had several skills with blanks for the players to fill in specifics, and the players got a background questionnaire to help them along providing distinct parts of their character. The six prompts were, uh, your agent has a last name. Feel free to pick a first name. Only has a last name. Feel feel free to pick a first name and gender. Uh, You know a second language. What is it? And where, why did you learn it? Right in in the language on the front of your character sheet. Three, part of your assignment was while stationed in a base is to take a history course. What specific period of history have you studied? <laughs> Write it on the front of your character sheet. That, that, I like that one. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Give them homework, man. Nice work. Right. Uh, your shifts in the base are two weeks long. What is your cover story f- to your friends, neighbors, and or family as to why you're away for two weeks at a time? And five, uh, or five, you are locked in the base for two weeks for two-week periods, generally out of contact with the outside world, what do you bring into the station with you to help the time pass? Books, video games, music, something else? Do you have a hobby? If so, what is it? Nice. The two skill questions, uh, language and knowledge history, would become directly applicable to the game, but the other information provided personalities for the characters, and, and as GM, I certainly would let the players leverage such things if they had inventive ideas on how to use their hobbies and cover stories. One of the characters also had some background info that he was very suspicious of the assignment, and every time he reported for duty, he would pick up a copy of the free local weekly newspaper from the newspaper box. These still existed back in 2019 at the time I wrote the game. They're still around. We have those in LA Weekly and OC Weekly, those, those little, like, Local... Local music rags. Yeah. Or art rags, I guess. I don't know what you'd call them. I mean, 2019, that was... I know, it seems forever ago. <laughs> it was only a few months ago. I mean, we still haven't hit we're a still year fighting ago. a virus named after that year. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Come on. It's, it's not that Don't jinx it, Sue. Don't jinx it. We're like 20, yeah, 2250 and we'll still be doing COVID-19 fighting. But yeah, I mean, that was only like last year. And so. I think 2020's getting a bad rap. I think 2019's to blame. There we go. Because, fuck, it's not called COVID-20. Although, true. there might be That's one. True. Let's hope not. Uh, <laughs> Why would you say that out loud? <laughs> uh, that right. character okay. also got a... Pro- uh, uh, 19 <laughs> back in the game. And then, when he left the base at the end of his tour, he would go back to the box, root around in the bottom, and grab an old copy of the same newspaper, oh. and would compare them and look for changes. Interesting. I like that player. That's awesome. Uh, that character that gives that gives the GM all kinds of shit to work with. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm gonna check the newspapers. Do I see anything? Oh yeah. You always mm-hmm. yes, of course you always see every every time you check, you're gonna see something different. Fuck. Um, amazing. Uh, the character also got a prop. Uh, also got a prop of the newspaper. That's right. I decided to use the newspaper prop. Yes. Stu had this go sideways not once, but twice in the past. <laughs> Um, he said he took like like advice from our show, like he listened, including and bad from advice. It. <laughs> oh, okay, he, he, he takes bad advice too, because we offer both. Yes, we do <laughs> definitely. <laughs> At least we try to keep it balanced. 
I decided, uh, yes, Stu had this go sideways not once, but twice in the past, but I could learn from the podcast. I could mitigate any shenanigans and use this as an effective prop, I hoped. <laughs> the timeline was indeed changed, and the PCs emerged from their time-shielded base to a world much resembling the man in the high castle, a world in which the Allies lost World War II and the Nazis and Hydra ran things. Uh, as both groups carefully explored the change, changed timeline, they determined that Captain America and Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos had been captured on a mission to destroy a super weapon during the war and and executed as war criminals. But, this, yeah, the, the specific mission was the key. Both play, Both groups of players thought to revisit the newspaper box which provided a second prop newspaper from the same date, but of course with changes. I fully expected the players to compare the two and move on to the next plot hook contained therein. There were only two relevant articles in each. Ah, oh, see, no. they're relevant. That's, that's what gets you every time. <laughs> you don't know what's relevant. Players decide what's relevant. That's true. <laughs> the first, a national news article, uh, which talked about recent shield, a recent shield raid on a secret Hydra base, which was the scenario from uh, one of the prior con games, and an Easter egg for any players who might have remembered the game. Uh, in the altered timeline, the article was similar, but reported a Hydra raid on a resistance cell. The second article was a key piece of info, so it was ignored, I'm sure. Uh, the local human interest story about how Captain America had recently visited a local World War II veteran for his birthday. This NPC was named, and biographical info about how he served on air crews during the war, which delivered Captain America and the Howling Commandos on secret missions to, ocu to occupied Europe. In the altered timeline, the article was a, was a police blotter article about how the police had responded to a call in a nursing home because the same named NPC was delusional, disruptive, and claimed that things were wrong. Ah! The first group was on it and realized they needed to figure out what mission Cap had been captured on and that they needed to talk to the veteran. They were off to the nursing home, and through roleplay, bluffing, and guile, they managed to get in and talk to the vet get the necessary info, and ultimately travel back to set things right. The second group, it isn't that they fix... The second group, it isn't that they fixated on the wrong info from the newspaper prop. They didn't consider it at all. They simply were not interested in comparing the two at all. They kept asking about different ways to research for more information and didn't bother to look at the two physical props lying on the table in front of them. <laughs> To use the old saying, it was like pulling teeth to get them to even bother to look at the newspaper. I know, as a GM, I should have a plan for several different ways to have PCs discover critical information, but you think handing it to them would, would, be, would suffice, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> uh, uh, discover critical information, so some of the blame rests with me. But for goodness sake, if a GM at a one-shot con at a one-shot con game, actually makes a prop, two of them, which could be compared, actually, and <laughs> provides it to the players, maybe they should look? Maybe? So I guess I over... 
I overcame the curse of the players fixated on the wrong information in a newspaper prop, but I couldn't get one of one group to even nibble at the plot hook sitting in front of them in the form of actual props. Live and learn, have a drink, and keep up the gaming, Dave in DC. Huzzah. Yeah, that's a... It's like, there's a newspaper in front of you that I made Two. for this game for you. Two Sorry, from the same day, and they look different for some reason. How could that be? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, this is amazing. Unless you made them too similar, they didn't think they were different. They thought it was just two copies of the same thing. Oh, maybe like if different people each picked one up and they kind of just glanced over at the other one and they looked similar. Right. You, you'd have, I mean, maybe making them like very different, like having a totally different image in a different place. Like they'll, I mean, that would be a lot more work. So you'd have to do a completely separate layout. And you'd think they'd just like read on a time travel game, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you've got those really exceptional, I'm doing air quotes for people who can't see me. Uh, players who like want to do it the hard way, they're like, "Oh no, that's too easy of a, of a, of a clue." Like we've got to like find the real thing, <laughs> and you're just like, as a GM, like, "No, no, that's the real thing. Take the thing, do the thing." There's only four hours. <laughs> no, <laughs> I did not spend hours of my own time reading <clears throat> newspapers just to sit on the table. Yeah, I, I maybe yeah. I, I just did. I just remember back to the the windy drawers assassination oh, yeah. where i said where i made his i made a map a scale map <laughs> of on a giant piece of butcher paper taped together that was his what would you call it, his manor house and the surrounding and the surrounding grounds and the player's like oh there's no way we're going there <laughs> and i worked for hours on it and that's like this yeah. Yeah, it's exactly this. No, that wasn't something I handed to them, though. That's something okay. that I was. That was a contingent that I just because I always make a wrong assumption whenever I'm running a game. You do. I always, I was, I always, and I don't know when I'm going to learn, but it's like the game when everyone played normal people in the vampire game, that con game, and they're like, "Oh, we someone's missing. We should call the police." And it was just, <laughs> it was just. <laughs> Funny, I was in that game. Fly ball to left field. I'm like, oh, what the fuck am I going to do about that? Because <laughs> <laughs> so I don't remember one of the characters was like a, an invest. I don't know something to do with the police, and they was like, all right, yeah, we're going to call the police. They're missing. We're just like, oh, your face was amazing. Like what? I don't think anyone else knew, but I know you well enough to be like, oh, that's dude's like quiet. Oh shit, face. That is the that yeah. something that I completely never considered, <laughs> and I think I would have the same problem in a game where I made a newspaper and no one read it. Yeah, same thing. I mean, yeah, it's a little different when it's like, oh yeah, they're humans and they don't necessarily all believe in vampires yet, and yeah, when someone's murdered, they're gonna call the police, right? But like when it's like right there in front of you, like. <laughs> Here, here's a newspaper sitting. Right. Maybe he did such a great job they thought it was a real newspaper. Maybe they didn't realize it was a prop that, that he made. Maybe he did too convincing of a job of making one. Maybe, maybe. I, I I actually went even more overboard, and I actually bought giant sheets of newsprint. I know you did. Yeah. The problem is the big big sheets of newsprint because I was going to make a full size new not well, clo like a tab like a real tabloid size newspaper. Yeah. 
which because my printer's wide carriage, it prints up to fourteen inches wide. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going to take a big sheet, fold it over, so not like the eight and a half by a double, like the eleven by seventeen, but like a yeah, big yeah. sheet. Yeah. And uh, the problem is when I folded it and tried to print on it while it was folded, it wouldn't feed right. Oh, and it made a big fucking mess. Oh, so I couldn't do that. It was too bad. It was a shame. Yeah. But yeah. I'd, I'd love stories about props going wrong. Especially <laughs> newspapers. It's so yes. They're my favorite. They are. <laughs> All uh, right. Thank you, Dave, from D.C. Yeah, that's a, that was a good email. That's interesting. And actually, you know what? I really liked the questions that, that you used. Oh, yeah. They're very cool. Although I think I might have added one more. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not a critique because you did a fantastic job with those questions. I really like how you incorporated questions that gave them useful knowledge. But I would have added one more question. Like, some at some point in your past, like I think maybe after the question about you're gone for two week periods, what's your cover story? Mm-hmm. Like maybe on, like on one of your missions, you came home and something was different, and it never was fixed. What was that thing that only you know in your family or friend group? Oh yeah, that is different now. You know, and why does it motivate you to keep doing this job? I like that. Yeah, I think that would be kind of a cool. Um, uh, uh, thing. Um, and chat is saying that we're quiet. Evidently, we are very quiet. Oh, really? <clears throat> me, I'll check the thing. Eli relayed the message. Um, I'm turning it up. It is now turned up. Okay. Pre- pretty high. Excellent. I'll turn it up even more. There we go. Okay. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that would be kind of interesting. Although for a con game, that might be too much backstory. You're doing a campaign yeah. with this. That would be fantastic. Yeah, that's the thing. You start coming up with cool ideas for con games. Next thing you know, yeah. you're not fitting anything in. Right. Yeah. You come home and you're like, what? I had a, I had a, a sister and a brother, and now I have two sisters. Right. And they're like, like one little thing. It's like, does that does that matter? I mean, I don't know. Is it the same person? It's interesting. There's a picture on the wall of someone, and you have no idea who it is. Yeah, you're just like, <laughs> don't. I don't know who that is. You come home, and like your your dad is a different guy than he was before. He's still your dad, and he evidently loves you, and he's fantastic. But it's like totally a different person than you remember. Right. That's a very fascinating concept. I'm interested in this now. All right. Multi-clan game oh, and L5... Oh. I, I have to say, good good conceit on how to run uh, a time travel game mm-hmm. so that... Because the, the players are basically buffered from the consequences of time travel. Because they're in the the time travel silo. Yeah. So presumably nothing affects... N- n- no changes to time affect them. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that's also where their time machine is inside that thing. So that, that, I, that is an interesting conceit. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Next email, Multiclan Games in L5R, Simon in London. Hello, everyone. I have been watching the latest podcast regarding how clans can be fit together. Well, yes, clans are separate, uh, uh, have separate politics against each other. They are feudal, and in that situation, one way of linking is to have a political marriage. Yes. Whenever I run L5R, I pick two clans that are central to the campaign and have the Daniel and their partner being linked in a political marriage arranged by the higher-ups of the clans involved. This means, in general, there are two clans that the players can pick from. I also pick two clans that can't, uh, they can't pick from and are, in general, uh, the political opposition for the game. 
If anyone wants to play someone from any of the remaining clans, they'd have to provide a reason that they're there and supporting the daimyo that's there. <clears throat> Preferably by a specific in-game advantage, disadvantage, like hostage or a different school or uh, where they got killed if they try funny stuff. And in the other case, they lose access to the higher training. Simon from London. I like that. I do too. That's the one thing we've talked about this a lot recently, especially. Is, is it just yeah. seems very strange to have a game that's like, oh yeah, pick whatever clan you want, mm-hmm. because I mean the amount of, of I mean if you want inner par- in in inter party conflict, you're going to get it, or intra party conflict. Then that, that's a great way to do it. But if it's not what you're looking for, that's good, that. Is going to be real tough, yeah. Because I mean, th- apart from the Shadowland creatures, your bad guys are always going to be other clans, mm. right? Yeah, <laughs> that's all you got. So, but I like the I like the idea of like picking a couple of them so people have, or maybe even three. Maybe it's like a like a these clans are allied for a specific thing or a specific incident or something's happened. Where they think maybe the lion have done something shitty, and mm-hmm. so the, you know the crane and the scorpion and the, the crab are all like joined together to try to figure out what the what kind of tom fuckery the the lion are up to or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's interesting the um, the marriage thing. Um, I think a lot of a lot of campaigns, and I think this we we have talked about this before, but I, 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 we've never played a game. I mean, we did play one game like this, actually, where you let us pick whatever clan we wanted. Um, right, but you're still descendants of the original family. Well, we are now. We weren't actually, like, biological descendants. The people at the main clan were, but we our characters weren't. Our, our characters um, I thought in were the la- I thought in the lap. No, we, got, we were given the swords because we were serving the family. So that was, like, our honorary welcome to the family oh, when we got... Am picked. I thinking of the previous... Yes, I'm thinking You're of the thinking previous one. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, that was There've the been many. <laughs> yeah, that was the, that was the one where everyone picked a descendant of someone, yeah. but they had married off to different clans. Yeah, that one was super cool. Except that we never finished. And it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think like that last one, it was like a a, a major threat that was you know Ronan. We we were brought together into the same family, so even though we had traits. And kind of conflicting personality types, we still all had that same goal. Right. Um, but I think if people are in all different clans, it's super hard if you have all different clans. But like, if there is some giant thing that's like an outside existential threat from, um, you know, the, the 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 darkness or something that's threatening all the clans, or everyone sends a champion to protect the emperor or something for us, you know, as long as you can find that single goal that they all would agree on. You could kind of make it work. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I've never really understood I, playing that. That doesn't appeal to me as far as... Even though it's how the game's designed. Right. <laughs> Good oh. suggestion. I like that. Political marriages. Very intriguing. Yep. Thank you, Simon, from London. Thank you. Yes. Multi-system game from Ian. I'm assuming that's pronounced Ian. In the UK. <clears throat> uh, greetings, Stu and the crew. I've recently been in a campaign, and I thought you would find interesting find it interesting to discuss. My friend, who I'll call R, ran into a problem that she owns a billion RPGs, but barely gets the chance to try any of them. To solve this, 
All right, Ian, I know that we're friends, but you didn't have to write an email about me. Right? I mean, come on. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, to solve this, she came up with a campaign premise that the PCs would be traveling between different dimensions in the multiverse, kind of like the TV show Sliders or the role-playing game Rifts, um, we would follow an episodic format where every session or a uh, handful of sessions, we jump to a new universe, at which point we change what game system we're using, and since most of the group are avid GMs anyway, change who's, who's GMing next. Oh, that's pretty nifty. Interesting. Yeah. Obviously, this means trying to stick to systems where at least the basic rules are concise. No role master or hero system here. Uh, we have been... We have been... Been having fun... One, having been some fun one-page systems like Lasers and Feelings. There have been some. There have been some fun one-page systems. Ah, right. I was trying to edit something that didn't yeah. need editing. Yeah. Uh, like Lasers and Feelings. R has been pulling out all her weird artsy indie games no one else has heard of and I've had a lot of success sticking to different Powered by the Apocalypse games since the dice rolls and ways move, moves work is consistent across all of them. Yes. It has been super interesting to see how all the PCs get reinterpreted uh, when they swap universes. For example, the PCs, PCs who is hard-boiled film noir detective might translate to a Han Solo-style bounty hunter in a soft sci-fi setting, or a Van Helsing-esque monster hunter in a modern urban fantasy world. Here are some observations I have had. One, when the setting is impermanent and only the only constant is the PCs, intra-party relationships become extra important. This hasn't been an issue so far since this group is very into character development and role-playing. In our Monster of the Week arc, it took three sessions for us to stop talking about our feelings and finally get around to actually stopping the monster on the loose. <laughs> I can imagine that if we hadn't made characters who were pretty gung-ho about saving anybody in trouble that we encountered, the constant rotating cast of NPCs would be a detriment, but as it stands, it's working well. I don't know, they might get to this, but I have a huge question with this. Because most PBTA systems have some sort of um, mechanic between the characters. Um, right. And so I'm interested to see like how that swapping from different PBTAs influences, like, like messes with that. Because like, there's influence in masks and like all these different things in these different systems. Um, so yeah, it, that'd be, that's kind of interesting mechanically. Um, the, the relationship mechanics between all those things and how it would swap and how that would change the game and the flavor of the game and how would you carry that across to another system? Right. Like if you were playing Masks and you had influence over somebody and you jumped to a different system, I'm interested to see how they kind of translate that that piece. Right. Write another email, tell me. Two. As an experienced GM, I should not be trusted to judge how complex a game is for newbies. That's true. <laughs> One of our yeah. players, who has practically no experience with RPGs before this campaign, tentatively wants to try GMing Fate. Ooh. I thought, great, Fate's mechanics are fairly simple, and I've found the main barrier to understanding it is that it's a paradigm shift for people who are used to more conventional games, so for an inexperienced gamer, there should be no issue. <clears throat> yeah, no. 
Uh, turns yeah. out that fate is still a lot of rules to remember while concentrating on GMing for the first time. Plus, I think fate being so open-ended in how you resolve things causes its own problems since it means she must make judgment calls as to how to mechanically model any conflicts rather than everything being rigidly defined up front. Yeah. Given this, th- that this first-time GM is an avid writer and storyteller, uh, do you guys think it would be better for her to run a game where she doesn't try to engage with rules much and just focuses on getting to grips with things like portraying NPCs, pacing, and other story-related stuff? Or do you think having a more strictly defined simulationist rule set would be easier to fall back on when she's unsure what to do, even if it means having to uh, memorize a bunch of crunch? I think that's a really personal question. really depends on the person. Um, my advice for, for new GMs is always go with what you're interested in. Like If she is interested in fate, like, great, do fate. Don't be, you know, if she's not, you know, trying to force yourself to be interested in a system guarantees you're going to GM it poorly, <laughs> or at least not as well as you could if you were, like, actually excited and hyped about it. Um, but, I mean, it's, you know, it's two sides of the coin. Like, if she's being honest with herself, like, hey, do I feel comfortable making up a bunch of story on the fly with fate, you know, being much more improv style, great. You know, that's a choice that she can make. Um, if she's not comfortable with that, then be like, okay, like made made it something because you can always you don't have to have everything memorized, especially if you're playing with your friends, your first time jamming. Like you're not going to be the person who's like, oh, well, on page two hundred and thirty-five, like okay, oh, let's look that up, let's pause for a second, or have a little cheat sheet and look things up. Like I still do that for games and systems I've run a million times. No, I, yeah, I do um, it all the time. Yeah, so so please don't make her feel like she has to have all the crunch memorized. Because that's not true, especially if you're playing with friends who are going to be cool about you jamming for the first time and let you look stuff up. And if they don't, then they're not cool and they shouldn't be your friends. Um, yeah, so they're different flavors. Just see what she's more comfortable with. And that's like a decision for her to make, I think. Yeah. They, my only concern with fate is you kind of... Fate is a, it, it is a paradigm shift in role-playing games. Yeah. It is extremely different. And I wonder... If she's gonna, I'm, I'm assuming you're gonna use some, like fate accelerator or something brief, rather than like as opposed to like fate core. Mm-hmm. So it's something that's a, a little rules lighter rules wise. But I wonder if she's gonna end up being like read through it, figure out how to run it. But if you're not if you're not playing with players who are familiar with that with that style of game mm-hmm. I, th- I I would think that you're going to end up having problems well, I don't know it, it, al- it almost seems like if you're going to play something like that it's it takes a while for people to kind of get what's going yeah. on with it and yeah. understand that it is different and you kind of go into it have to go into it with a slightly different mindset than you do with a traditional role playing game yeah that would be my only concern with fate because it yeah. is extremely different. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, if if you guys have been playing a bunch of PBTA, like have her start with PBTA. That's a nice kind of middle ground. Um, if you say that she's like really good at coming up with stuff on the fly, she's a writer, she's very creative. Like, 
like I think it's the best practice to try and GM whatever you're most familiar with to start with. Yeah. Um, if you haven't played Fate with a bunch, then maybe don't try Fate for your first time GMing. Like once you've done it a little bit, then it's like, oh, I found this new system. Um, but you know, if she's played a bunch of Fate as a player or watched a bunch of like actual plays of Fate and really has kind of a good conceptual idea of what it is, maybe it's perfect for her. Yeah. See, I guess yeah that. If you're GMing something like that that's very different, there, there's going to be some hand-holding for the players, and you, I think you have to... If, if she knows it well enough, yeah, then it'd be fine. But you're there, there's... When, with that sort of paradigm shift in how how the game works compared to traditional games, you're going to have to kind of explain to the players as you go, okay, this works differently than anything that you've played before. Yeah. Or you can flip that on its head, and if the players are really experienced in a system, they actually can kind of handhold the GM if you're right. a good group of friends. Right. Um, so look at your group of friends, too. If a bunch of you have played Fate and are willing to kind of, like, walk her through, you know, field trip her through it, hold her hand, um, if she needs it, she may not, um, that can work out great, too. I'll agree. Observation three. If you don't want your arc to drag on... You really need to introduce your conflict quickly and efficiently. Doctor Who is a great example to emulate here. Every episode, they drop into a new time, a new time and place, and waste no time telling you everything you need to know in time for somebody to horribly die by the end of the cold open. Yeah. I know you've talked a lot about one shots and con games before. So, do you have any tips for keeping a tight focus during episodic adventures? Hmm. Yeah, like, like make it really obvious. <laughs> like, like I, you said, like, oh, someone dropped dead in front of you. It looks like poison. Must be important. It's like, like they have to literally step over the body to ignore it. Like, right. make it in their face for for those kind of things. And I, and I think you need, especially if you're if you're if people are trying to be limited to one or two. Uh, sessions, you need to make the story simpler than you think you do. Yeah. Because if it's a mystery, like say it's a murder mystery and you got a body, and they need to figure out who, who killed the guy, don't have a bunch of red herrings and a bunch of stuff that leads to people who aren't the guilty party. Because yeah. in your four hours, you're only going to get so much done. And if, especially if, you, if there's a queue and there's another GM waiting to run <clears throat> the same party through yet again another system. Um, the for me, that I've learned that from con games, <clears throat> which is if I make it too complex, and I always know because it's like because you know I, when I organize those, I always organize them by scenes. Like yeah. here's here's the first scene, the introduction, characters introduce each other, and figure out what the what the story is going to be, and then I have like maybe four or five scenes. But if I see I've got like six or eight scenes. That I'm not, we're not getting through that in a, no, a four-hour game. Too much, and make it make it flexible. I know we've talked about this in other episodes before, like the kind of the modular game design, where you've got your first scene, you've got your last scene, and the ones in in the middle can kind of be moved around or pulled out. Like, mm -hmm. oh, we're running short on time. Oh, I'm going to move up the cl the clue. They're supposed to find in scene, you know, four, and nope, scene two. Oh, now we're skipping to the end. Okay. And the players don't realize that. Right. You know, they don't know any different. Um, I try and think of it as like you're on a train 
and you've got the engine at the front, you've got the boost in the back, and as the players are walking through your train, you're just moving the cars around, they just don't know it, and suddenly you can have a an eight-car train or two-car train, and they don't really know the difference because they're walking through it from the inside, so they don't they don't see it from the outside. So just kind of move things around to adjust for time, too. That's, that's something that you get much better at as you run con games or as you run timed one-shots and things like that. Um, but th- that's been the, the best thing for my, for my con game jamming and for my stream jamming too, honestly, when it's like, oh, you've got four hours to run a game and then the next Rainbow Railroad thing's popping up. You got, got to do it. Got to do it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Someone in the chat room talked about their, 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 they switched to moment of truth. Wow. Oh, nice. Awesome. Working on a new layout for the, for it. Same different layout. Layout's like hard. Huh? Layout's like complicated. It's you know hard what? To do. I went out. I got InDesign, mm-hmm. which is the Adobe mm-hmm. book layout thing. Yeah. And I went out and I bought a book because they make the, the Adobe Press makes books for each of their products, mm-hmm. and it was fantastic. I'll let mm-hmm. you borrow it if you want because I'm sure you have access to InDesign. I'm sure. Yeah, I have that. Yeah, if you want to borrow it, I mean, I know it's a book, and a, your generation Still. doesn't like books. <laughs> but it, it, it actually, it actually, and it's the, it's I think it's a 2019 version, mm-hmm. but it 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 actually shows you specifically how to do get started and and the common things that you normally need to know how to do. Oh, I actually cool. found it really, really helpful. I just like <clears throat> I just like search YouTube and like watch like eight videos how to indent everything. See that how to move things. See that's that. I think that's a generational difference. Yeah. If I need a specific answer to a question, mm. I don't mind reading a fucking paragraph. Just give me a fucking <laughs> paragraph. I don't want to sit through your YouTube video with its shitty intro music and your little hi guys. Blah 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 blah. blah. Today we're gonna blah 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 blah. blah. And then tell me about the little thing at the bottom. You just track through all that until the the graphic pops up that shows you exactly what you need. By the time I find that, I've read the paragraph that tells me how to do what it is I need to do. Okay, that's good. <laughs> that's like whenever that that, and I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm like trying to train because I, I use both Google and Bing now. Mm-hmm. Because if I can't find exactly what I'm looking for with Google, I switch over to Bing, and nine out of ten times, within the top three results, is exactly what I'm looking for. Because it's not as ad heavy, I don't think, and it's not as it's not trying to be as predictive as Google is. But I will switch between the two of them until I find something that isn't a video. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to figure out how to do something. It's like, I don't want to sit through it. I don't care about you. <laughs> yeah, I used to kind of do that way, but then I had to learn a bunch of cosplay stuff, and none of that is has in books. So I had to get really good at, like, how do you make armor out of exercise mats? Like, they don't make books about that anymore. I mean, they do now. And that stuff's, that's more physical stuff, too. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, that's something where you're going to benefit from watching someone doing it mm-hmm. as opposed to that's true. the, the menu the item you're looking for is <laughs> under is under file, place, something, or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, just yeah, tell yeah. me what I need. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Get the, off your lawns, dude. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> one shot's kind of okay. Observation four. Uh, yep. We've been acknowledging in universe that the different dimensions follow follow the conventions of different genres, and it's been making me think more explicitly about the genre assumptions that are baked into game systems. 
something like what Stork would call the falling down the stairs rule. <laughs> to determine the lethality of a game, mm-hmm. it's important to be on the same page about whether you're in a, a world where jumping off a rooftop into a moving helicopter is an awesome maneuver that we totally want to encourage, or a likely chance that you'll fall and die and die roll and immediately go splat. Fail a, and you'll fail a die roll and immediately go splat. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Have you ever had a disconnect between the intended genre of your campaign and the sort of feeling that the rules were cre- were creating? I remember when I ran D&D, I used to try to teach try to describe each attack as inflicting grisly ro- ro- wounds, but it all rang a bit hollow when each side was a bag of hit points, right? No <laughs> shit. That would event that that would actually that wouldn't actually be meaning meaningfully impeded until their last hit point was gone. Right, exactly. This disconnect was completely resolved when I started actually treating PCs like mythical figures and having NPCs treat uh, as uh, treat it as normal that heroes could take a cannonball to the face without going down through sheer toughness alone because that was what that was the sort of world they lived in. <clears throat> This is something that I've been, like, really contemplating a lot as I've started doing game design. Um, And I'm working on my own PBTA hack right now. And how much of that is actually baked into the system, I think, is often key. Like, we talk a lot about how, as GMs, we need to set the the stage. We need to, like, you know, really communicate ahead of time as part of Session Zero and stuff. Like, this is what we're looking to play. Um, You know, we're going to be... You know, superheroes in the Wild West, but it's more like Batman level, highly trained humans than Superman. Right. Things like that. Like, you know, really clearly communicating that um, and picking a system that matches that. Like, if you want to do gritty superheroes in the Wild West, you're not going to pick masks because masks doesn't even have a mechanic to die. Like, like your characters don't have hit points. You know, they take um, uh, conditions instead. So... People aren't, like, characters aren't afraid of dying necessarily in masks um, at more than, like, an RP level, usually. So I think that those are the two biggest choices to mitigate this situation, is one, picking a system that reflects what you want it to, um, you know, uh, and, and, and does that well. And then, two, like, ahead of time, like, really clearly communicating, being like, hey, so, you know, movies, I feel like it's always the easiest way to do this. Like, for me, at least, you know, pe- most people have seen the same kind of basic movies. Like, you know, we're going very Casablanca with this. Immediately, like, you and your players all know, oh, I know exactly what that is. Even if and you've never seen Casablanca, you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, everybody, you know, we're, we're going much more, uh, you know, 902 and O than, you know, than something else. Like, like it immediately brings that vision to your head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the... 1990s Robin Hood movie, not the, you know, 2000s Robin Hood movie or whatever. Um, so, so those differences, I think, I think that clear communication helps with that. Me, on the other hand, yes, I, I have been in situations where, and usually it's a con game because, you know, my happy Jack friends would never make a mistake like that. <laughs> um, I'm lying. I'm lying about that, by the way. But, um, you know, it's that one person who comes to the table at a con game who's played the system before usually and has like a, a predisposition for like, Hey, I'm making this character in this system. I'm going to be this person. Um, 
So it's kind of the equivalent of, and then they they show up and they kind of try and like I, I always have my characters pre-made at least mostly, and they like pick the character who's like the most like the idea they already have in their head, and they kind of like wedge that square pit peg into like this round hole of a character sheet I've made, and they just go off and they're just this character. Um, I, I mostly experienced it as a GM, uh, and generally I just kind of like. I think it's because I'm a teacher. I'm like, oh, okay, pat your head. Okay, everyone else. <laughs> you do that thing, you. You, yeah, all right. And everyone else do the other thing. So, it, I mean, if people come to the table that hell-bent on doing what they want, then cool, okay. Right. Yeah, con games got to be a little more flexible anyway because, I mean... Yeah. You just never know. But I, I remember I ran a GURPS Swashbuckler game. This has been the first edition of... Second edition GURPS, the first edition of the Swashbuckler rules. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they didn't... They ended up um, really modifying the game when they came, by the time they came out with fourth edition to really give you sort of a spectrum of realism. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have that in second. Mm-hmm. And... Swashbuckler is definitely one of those games where you want a cushion against reality. Yes. Because you're going to do things of daring do. Yeah. And when you do them, you don't want to have like what happened in that game, which was like some they're, they're pirates and pirates. I, I think they were pirates, and they were trying. They were attacking a, some a Spanish ship or I don't know whose ship it was. And and one of the characters, I want to swing uh, from the rope from the because their their ship was pitched to the side or the other ship was pitched to the side, and so there's a rope they could swing to the other ship. <laughs> Decided to do that, and I'm like, okay, make your brachiating roll, or I don't know what 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 skill it was to do it. And they made that roll, and they failed it by like two. So I said, okay, um, you swing, you swing across the the thing, but you don't swing onto the bridge. You misjudged, and you let go thump right into the side of the ship. But you're but you're you're high enough up where you can climb over the gummel. Yeah. And then it, that turned into a comedic thing, which is they were looking for the cool thing, but they fis- missed the role. And suddenly they became sort of like the comedic foil. <laughs> yeah. And they, and, the, and they were not cool with that. It's like oh, I was trying oh. to be cool. It's like well, you missed your role. What do you want? Yeah, something has to happen. <laughs> so. That happens. I it, feel like this also happens a lot. Um, even if you do a lot of. Communicating ahead of time, um, L5R is the is kind of where I've seen this happen as well. Where you have a world that is entrenched in traditions, and then you have a player who doesn't necessarily know those traditions right. and doesn't necessarily understand completely the society that they're playing in, and they may not even be aware that they are doing it or meaning to do it, but they just kind of come in and play like characters that they've played before, and that can be highly insulting at times to to people in this world, even if that's not their intents, and even if their actual character would know better, uh, you know, that's that's kind of the other scenario here, where even if you've done a great job of, you know, uh, conveying tone, you've got someone who's kind of out of tone, and they don't realize it. Right. Well, yeah, well I, and, and there's things you can do to sort of mitigate that, make them an outsider. You know, it... I'm sure somewhere in the L5R rules, there's rules for making someone who's not part of a clan. Yeah. Well, and the, the problem with that, though, is sometimes they don't realize that about themselves. Oh, right. So, it, you know, they're playing, and they're thinking, oh, I'm a, 
awesome samurai, very honorable, and you're just like, oh god, they're gonna talk to somebody again. What do I do? <laughs> they're gonna be impolite. No, 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 no don't talk. No. And like, yeah. Um. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, that's when you have like your cheat sheets of, hey, this is how you interact with people in this society for everybody. Right. Everybody gets one. Have you read it, you <laughs> specific person? No. Okay, everybody. Okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Observation five. <clears throat> it is hard to, uh, to avoid cross-talk cross and interruptions during online gaming. Yeah. I don't know whether this is an unavoidable consequence of stream lag or having a large group or if we need to make a concerted effort to improve our mic etiquette. It's not so bad in games with defined initiative and turn orders, but in PBTA games where scenes are expected to flow like a conversation, the effect is noticeable. You, do you have any tips from your time recording actual plays? <clears throat> uh, thank you for, for being a regular fixture in my tumultuous life. I will be sure to write again in, uh, again in this game if this game has any interesting developments, stay kind, stay safe, stay diverse. Also, hey. drink. Ian from the UK. Thank you, Ian. Uh, to ways in an online game to avoid crosstalk and interruptions and keep the game flowing. This is my life. This is my life with 34 students every day. <laughs> the mute group. button. I would think the, yeah, no, the yeah, mute button the, is probably really cool. The host has a <clears throat> mute all function. Maybe not the best for encouraging conversation in PBTA. Um, do I, do I, I think, yeah, you, you just really have to, um, like, like my students, like we, we practiced, we practiced and practiced and practiced. We spent like the first week of school. We learned, we learned things too, but mostly it was like learning that online um, etiquette with each other. So um, there is a raising hands function. Um, not everyone can see it, unfortunately, but there are, in, if you're using Zoom anyway, there are um, emoji reactions too. Um, you can do like, I'm putting it up, if you're looking at watching the video, you can pop, pop them up in the corner. And I use that kind of as a, hey, I have something to say. And they go out, they go away for a minute. Oh, um, really, a minute. Is that under reactions? Yeah. <clears throat> There's like the reactions tab cool. at the bottom. And it's a way that people can show support too. Um, and, and, and we're clapping for each other at the end of a presentation or whatever without actually everybody unmuting themselves. Um, so I've used those as signals before, like, hey, I have something to say, or just have someone, like, raise their hand, like, hey, and, like, just to kind of uh, do that. Um, as the GM, you can mute everyone and then selectively ask some people to unmute. So if you have a scene, like, between two people then just unmute those two people. That's a little, I mean, for adults, that seems a little overkill, but um, Stu's really playing with all the little reactions I, I now. <laughs> I'm distracted now. No, yeah, also, um, if, you ha if, if, if the person hosting it has a, 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 a pre premium account with Zoom, yeah. that you can have, you can create side rooms. Yeah, breakout rooms. And you could, if people want to have a conversation, like like in character, while something the GM is involved with something else, you could set it up so that they can just go to a different room and have their conversation. Yeah. Privately. Yeah, and also utilize the chat if you're having crosstalk. Like, like make the rule. I've seen some uh, people like make the rule like, hey, most of what you're saying, you know, uh, out loud should be like dialogue. Um, if you have something to narrate to, that's fine. But like. If you're asking about rules or things like that, like ask in chat, um, so that you, they, they, that kind of keeps the the speaking 
zone um, clear of extra stuff, but mostly it's just practice. Um, you know, when when we when I first played my first online game like years ago now, it was the most awkward thing, and I really disliked it. Um, oh, so, <laughs> and, but so it took I. a while. <clears throat> so did I. When I ran that GURPS game, it was it. But I was also running it for complete strangers. Yes, yeah, yes. But uh, th- I was actually thinking when we first started uh, Mook's GURPS game that he ran for oh. Tyler and Elspeth and Bill and I. Mm-hmm. I actually I really liked the game, but playing online was really difficult for me at first. Um, and we, we eventually, though, after enough sessions, we started getting a flow down. And having cameras on was a big deal because um, you could see when someone took a breath. And maybe we're all performers, so we're all really clued in on signs like that. But you could kind of see, and just kind of making it clear, like, hey, I'm about to speak, and everyone's kind of watching. So then they kind of back off. And you still have times you talk over each other. I mean, like, it's just you and I here on the podcast today, and we still talk over each other. So yep. it's just going to happen. Um, but you get better at it. Practice. Play a lot. Practice. Yeah. Come up with signs. And different things will work for your group. Like, ask your group, like, hey, I'm noticing this. And even just bringing it up that it's a problem. Like, I honestly 100% have this conversation with my students, like, once a month. Hey, I've noticed that we're really starting to talk over each other a lot in class. What are some things that we can do to, to keep from doing that? And they'll all come up with the same things I said last month, and then they'll follow those rules for, like, the next month until they forget again, and then we'll have that conversation yeah. again. But with adults, Girl, it might be even more productive. They might no, actually have no. solutions. <laughs> Being a manager... Uh, grown up <laughs> work exactly the same way. The time frame tends to be a little longer. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's two months. Mm-hmm. But yeah, exactly. Like, hey, we should do things this way, blah, 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 because it's caused problems in the past. Okay, great. And things go perfectly smooth for two months. And then all of a sudden, back to the old way. It's like, okay, no, why didn't we change the old way again? Let's go back yeah. to the way we know that works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, that doesn't change. That, that yeah. stays. Yeah, <laughs> but breakout rooms are really cool, and Zoom keeps adding new features. Um, if you're using Zoom, um, they actually have a new feature now where you can join different rooms. So you like, like simultaneously, host, huh? Simultaneously or one at a time? Yeah, like like the host makes the rooms. Um, I'm a, an expert on this because when I when I do a test, I put my kids in 34 different breakout rooms so they can <laughs> so they by themselves, but they can still ask. They can hit the button that asks for help, and then it tells me that they need help, so I can go to their breakout room and answer their question about the test right. without giving the answer to everybody else. I'm very very versed in breakout rooms, but they have a new one. I haven't used it yet, um, where the the host makes the rooms, and you can give like the participants options, and they get to choose which room they join. So you could say, hey, if you want to be part of the conversation, you know, in the schoolyard, for going back to an RP example, you know, join room one. If you don't want to be, join room two. If you want to do a side conversation in the teacher's lounge, room three. Like, and then the your players will be able to, to pick. Um, I think they all have to make sure they have updated uh, Zoom accounts, though. So make sure everybody's updating regularly, because they are rolling out so many new features constantly. It gives me a headache. Yeah, yeah. I, I set I set up the 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 side rooms or whatever they're called, mm-hmm. breakout rooms. I've never used it. I just found the menu right now to to do it. I almost created two of them, but I didn't know what that would do, so I decided not to do it. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't do anything unless you assign it. Um, and there's different ways. There's one that's random. Like if you you can choose how many rooms you make, and it automatically will assign people at random. Mm-hmm. There's one that's manual where you set up the rooms, and then you assign to different uh, participants to specific rooms. And then there's the one where they get to choose now, but I, I haven't used that. I, I've kind of messed with it, but I haven't actually used it with my students yet. So, cool. There's options. Excellent. Or yeah, 
All right. <laughs> Who was that? The name. Oh, uh, Ian. Thank you, Ian. Ian, thank you from the UK. Uh, oh, yeah, like all UK emails today. Well, two. And a DC. Two. Oh, and DC, yeah. Sorry. Um, I, if I, I apologize if I mispronounced your name, but I think it's Ian, but I don't know. Yeah, all right. Great. It was a great email. Good job, everyone. Thank great you. Emails. Uh, that's it? Yeah, I think so. Where's the thing? Thank you for joining us for Season 27, Episode 18 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. And we'll see you next week at uh, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Saturday, December something, at happyjacks.org slash live. So join us there. Until then, stay safe. Yes. There's a heartbeat from Michigan to Australia and maybe a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Welcome to Costco. I love you.